The American dream inspires many, but it's not without its flaws. The reality is people experience workforce discrimination in many forms. It's time to open our eyes and have challenging yet enlightening conversations. It's not always easy, but we need to start in order to make a difference. That conversation begins here. Welcome to the Untapped Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Untapped Podcast. This week, we have the pleasure of talking with Brittany, who works in education. She is here to share her experience with discrimination within the education system, as well as discuss the future of education and school curriculum focused on diversity and inclusion. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, thank you. We are, too. So today, as we usually start off, tell us about your education and then your transition into the workforce and how your career got started. Okay, so I grew up on the northwest side of Houston, um, and then I went on to attend Stephen F. Austin State University in Nacogdoches, Texas. I had the pleasure of majoring in education, interdisciplinary studies, uh, focusing on four through eight English literature and reading, and so started teaching when I was 22, fresh out of college, and I taught middle school English. And I had the opportunity to go back to the district that I came from. So I taught at the middle school that I attended and then went on to get my master's from the University of St. Thomas in Houston. And I got my master's in reading and I just completed my principal certification from Lamar University. Um, I started out as a teacher, taught for seven years, then moved on to be an instructional specialist and coach. Um, and then I became a master instructional specialist and uh, for high school. And then now I'm currently serving as uh, the coordinator for family engagement um, with the district. So I'm really excited to have had this vast opportunity to kind of impact in many, many different ways. So that kind of sums up my, my educational career. All right. Well, that sounds good because uh, just to let you know, we're rivals, Brittany. Yes. Stephen F. Austin <laughs> and Northwestern State University, you know, we yeah. have this little battle yes, over do. the largest trophy in college football. So, yeah. Yeah, so. I'll let you have that one. I'll let you have that one. I would, Because <laughs> if we were to talk basketball, it would be a completely different story. So, <laughs> no comment. I'm leaving that alone. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna jump straight into the questions. Uh, what kinds of discrimination did you experience while teaching from the students, parents, faculty, etc.? So there are many like layers and levels, and you don't really get as a young teacher. You don't really see, you know, like the discrimination because you're just trying to like sink or swim in the position. Um, but as I've kind of had some different experiences, I was teaching. And it's usually as being the, the only African-American in the department. Like it was different than being the only African-American in the team. And then even my college experience, I was the only African-American female in that cohort that we had. It was just like, it was 10 of us and I was the only. So then I go and I begin to work. And then I, my first experience was that it was kind of diverse. And then when I transitioned to being the only one in the department in this in another school district, I think that was the most eye-opening where they're kind of like coming by your classroom to check to see what you're doing. They're sticklers on making sure that if you arrived and you're supposed to be there at eight and you show up at 8.01, then 
it was kind of like, well, we need to call her in for that because, you know, we all are here at, you know, and I didn't live close by. So, and I was a single mom. And so I'm trying to make things work. And so it was like the discrimination of coming by to double check when they didn't necessarily check on everybody else, or they wanted me to write my lesson plans out and make sure that I had certain, you know, I had to verify and justify everything. And so then once I figured it out, like, oh, and then I had to kind of look around and see that I was the only, and then realize that that was why I was hired was to provide the diversity because I didn't have any, you know, it, it presented challenges, but it was the frequent checks that kind of like, why are they always coming in here? Well, you know, her classroom's really, really noisy and the everyone else's classroom is not. How is she able to purchase and pay? And, you know, it would just be questions that they wouldn't ask everyone else. And so you had to constantly prove yourself. I found myself having to constantly prove myself and my knowledge and present my credentials so that, you know, it was validated. Just a quick follow-up. How did that really make you feel? Well, you get tired. Initially, you know, you have that go, go get, oh, well, I'm going to show them, you know, I'm going to show them what I can do because, you know, I, I know that I'm good and I know that I'm good at what I do. The kids are learning. The parents are excited. And then I found out like years later, parents were calling each other. and was like, hey, there's this black teacher. You need to make sure your kids get this black teacher <laughs> because she's pretty dope and she's amazing. So that part of it, you know, kind of felt good. But then it was like, it's 2016 and we're still having these kind of conversations. You know, why are we even, you know, having to say those things? But I felt you get tired, but you don't get, you learn to not be weary in that well-doing of, of presenting yourself. You know, it just becomes second nature and it shouldn't, you know, like this is just, this is the norm and it shouldn't really be that way. It sounds like the parents had a very positive response and reaction to you, which is obviously really great to hear. Any sort of discrimination, again, from maybe your students or any other parents, anything that was unique from that perspective? So in, in, in different school districts, they do different things. But what I notice is that people tend to, like, if you're looking at your staff and you're looking at who's in charge or who's, who people are having to deal with, they're naturally going to go deal with the people that look like them. And so then you would find that the equity piece of making sure that everybody else had slack because they didn't get the people who are they're dealing with like if you have a hispanic family then the hispanic person is going to deal because there's that language barrier and then african americans are not necessarily going to deal or depending on their previous experience with a particular culture or race you know they're not necessarily going to have that so from a parent and from a student standpoint i noticed that teachers struggled with how to communicate with parents of different cultures that were different than theirs. Um, with students, especially like your African-American males, you have to teach them differently. And you can't teach them the same way that you do everyone else. So it would be looked at as a behavior problem versus am I really boring? You know, or am I engaging them in the way that they need to be engaged? Or why isn't this kid coming to class? And so they would automatically veer towards the negative versus coming in and talking about looking at what the kid needs and knowing them by name, by strength, by need, and then dealing with parents on an individual basis versus it being what you would call the cookie cutter approach. Like this is what I learned in college and this is how we're gonna deal with everybody. But when you deal with families, when you deal with students, that's not how it should be. Yeah, the one size fits all is not a solution. Yeah, no, right, absolutely. It's a lot and I see it more. And if you're looking at numbers in Texas and you're looking at 
um, the discrimination piece. One time we were looking at the state test and we were looking at the requirements for each ethnicity, you know, and the culture or the ethnicity, like for the Caucasian kids, it was like 63%. And then to, to be able to meet standard. And then the African-Americans, it was only 24%. And so why would there be a difference if we're looking at, if they're all taking the same state test, is given at the same time, where are these numbers and things? Where are those things coming from? So when you talk about discrimination, you look at how the system was built. And then if the kids are not even meeting that 24%, then you know we begin to look at it as, one, well, they just don't wanna learn or the parents just don't wanna be involved or like there's so many different layers and levels to it. Like it, it's crazy. Do you think that the reason it's so different is because they're trying to hit a specific quota? What do you, I guess, what are your thoughts behind why it's so different? Well, I think the system wasn't created for the other ethnicities to be successful, you so, know? So I'm gonna put my bank on, on the white kid because I know from history's sake, they're gonna meet this mark, they can meet that mark. And then if I look at the African-American population, well, from whence they came from, they can't read, they can't write, they don't have exposure, they don't have access. So, you know, I think the system wasn't created for that. And so we've been kind of, this is what we've always done instead of looking at, this is where we've come from and this is where we are. And so those, we need to maybe reevaluate and we probably need to look at it a little differently. So what I hear is a lot of assumptions and projections um, and that kind of leads perfectly into the next question so as a teacher what kinds of programs or lessons did did you teach in school to fight against discrimination I live by the concept of ask for forgiveness versus asking for permission and so some of the things that I would put in my class would not be conventional. And at the time when I first was teaching, I was young. So I still kind of knew what was going on, knew what was popular. So I may incorporate Tupac and I may incorporate Common and I may incorporate letting them know and linking that, especially poetry and literature and things of that sort and making those things real while exposing them to those ancient and those, those classics like August Wilson and Zora Hurston and tying what they, what they relate to to what's classic and what's, you know, so then I can toss in Anne Frank and they get it because of what I've kind of front loaded them with. You got to provide kids with exposure. And so the types of things that I created was relevant to where they were. I kind of like thoughtfully disrupted the status quo without being disrespectful to what's already in place, but I'm just going to add a little you know, a little spice to it, a little Tony Sacheries, as we say in the South, <laughs> and bring it to life. So, you know, yeah, I would probably get in trouble because we can't use Drake's lyrics because it may have a cuss word here and there, but they get it. So moving on, has your methodology been more accepted as you've grown throughout your education career? Are you seeing the school adopt a more contemporary style of teaching? Yeah. In some cases you do, because now you're kind of, especially like now with it being, there's some virtual kids and then there's kids that are in the building. Now you kind of have to be innovative and you're kind of like forced in this corner because your kids aren't gonna learn any other way where everything is digital and where everything is in a new era. So you kind of have to. And so the hard part is getting those that have been in these spots in these positions especially because most of you, if you think about your teachers, they were old, older white 
ladies. They were never male. They were never kind of young. It was always like middle-aged white ladies. That's your third grade teacher or in your middle school science teacher. Like that's just what it was. And so some of these people are still there. And so now they're having to because the kids are like silently protesting and even vocally protesting like this is not it. We need something different. They're not going to perform unless you meet them where they are. So, but I'm starting to slow. It's going, we got a whole lot of work to do, but it'll take young teachers to kind of influence those old teachers where your foundational principles will still be the same, but you kind of, like I said, add that spice to it, you know, but I've been, I've seen, I'm seeing a lot more innovation and in, in things being elevated in a way for sure. That's good to hear. That's real good to hear. So just to follow up to that. So compared to where you are, and where the other potential administrators are, where do you feel that where that bridging the gap is right now, as far as meeting the students in the middle? Their views on equity, they've got to, they've got to transform their thinking. And it's in the how you teach the kid and how you get to know that it starts with relationship and understanding culture. So a lot of times with my staff in my in our meetings, we have to have conversations about unconscious bias. And we have to have conversations about how to have conversations. We have started reading books and, and you know, they can read books all day, but the action part of it, and it starts with their thinking. And you've got to, even with admi- other administrators, you've got to meet them where they are too. So if I'm a numbers person, then I'm going to have to bring the data that shows this is what works and let me show you how to get there. And so these are, you know, in reading books like White Fragility and reading books like Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting at the Cafeteria Table Together? Like those books that have that connection and that bridge. And it starts with with beginning to influence their thinking. And so they're going to have to see it, honestly, to believe it. Like this is what works and this is how we're going to to move forward. So I like that. So how is becoming a school administrator impacted your ability to create or promote a more inclusive atmosphere? I get to I get to provide a different perspective. And one of the things that I'm loving right now in my position is my boss tells me all the time is you've provided a different perspective. I didn't even think about it like that. And so to be able to be vocal about hey, this is, this is what families are saying. You know, you can't send me a message at 11 a.m. while I'm at work and I'm on the clock to come join this Zoom meeting to get information about what's happening on, on campus. You can't do that because I'm working. Or, you know, finding times and knowing exactly what your community needs. And I'm just loving the fact that I'm able to provide that input because, you know, I'm not too far removed. And then you've got to build relationships with your community to find out what they need. And so just having a seat at the table and then being able to directly provide those kids with affirmation and provide those parents and families because they, people miss that part about how important the family dynamic is to the school environment and making sure that you're connecting these families with learning and providing them the opportunity and the resources and not being stingy with it. You know, you got to be able to give that information out because if your objective is, is to make sure that kids and families are successful, then they need to have opportunity and access to it. And so my job is being able to sit at the table and say, hey, 
how about what about this population and people you know and i'm even thinking of kids with impairment you know you're putting out there kids that can't hear we're going to create this video okay so do you have somebody that's sign like you know signing on there do you have somebody that's you know it's not just speaking spanish it's making sure that you're maybe even incorporating mandarin or or hebrew or like you got to make sure that you're reaching every and so I just love the fact that I can sit at the table at this point and toss those ideas and things out. And then along those same lines of you being at the table, how is the hiring process being improved upon? What I will say, and even in my spot, I'm, I'm one of the only, like on my floor, I'm the only African-American girl. And I've always been the only African-American girl and young at, on top of that. And so that person, sometimes they don't always want to listen to the young, the young voice or the young person, and especially not no black girl that's young, you know, like <laughs> people have issues with that and that's okay. But you just, as with anything else, you just make sure that when you're bringing your information, that it's solid and that it, that is top notch, that it, you know, you're able to back that stuff up. Um, but the hiring process, what I love about what has gone on in uh, my district is they've created a diversity hiring committee to look at the numbers and say, okay, we need more African-Americans here. We need more Hispanics here. We need to make sure that the administration looks like the students that we're serving. So those conversations are, I mean, we still have a long, 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 long way to go. But the fact that the conversations are having, that they're happening now is extremely important. I just hate that it took something like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and now everybody's awake and, oh, wait a minute, we've got to do something about this. So it's unfortunate that that we're there and that we're having to now have conversations because that this inequality and this injustice and all of those things are happening now. Do you feel this momentum is gonna continue? We don't wanna see this just be a one or two year thing. We want this to be a forever thing in which the momentum is still going to where we're pushing towards equality. That's a good question. So Dr. Phil always says a good predictor of the future is the past. And I, I agree with that to a certain extent. And if you look at during the time of your Malcolm X and your Martin Luther King and you know your W.B. Du Bois, you have all these people that have been fighting this good fight. And then we've made some progress and then we make some progress and then we make some progress and then kind of things kind of, we get comfortable. You can't get comfortable. We can't afford to get comfortable. The only way things are going to change is that you have to have to be uncomfortable to make the change take place. And so the things that we've put in place maintain and elevate. So I can't really say, do you think it's going to continue? Like I would love for it to, but it's going to take a collective effort, you know, and having conversations about diversity and having crucial conversations about meeting every and making sure that everything is kind of in line. Like, that's a good question. I like that question. <laughs> we we gonna throw a few we gonna throw a few curveballs at you during this during these these, these talks. So just this be is ready. good though. This is good. I'm just you know I'm just thinking about what would it look like, and I'm thinking like my grandkids and everything. Like how how is what I'm doing now, and that's the kind of thought process that we have to have is what am I doing right now to make sure that the next generation is able to take this torch and sustain. Because if you look at it. You know, our generation does a lot of talking. It's not a whole lot of movement. There's a few few pieces, but there's not a whole lot of movement. And we've got to be about action, not a whole lot about talking and posting. If you're gonna post, cool, but like you've got there's some there's some footwork that has to be done. And 
having those hard conversations on your job and saying, hey, it doesn't look diverse here. Or, and I've had that where it's like, okay, cool. We're going to give these laptops out to these families. And I need to make sure that we have African-American families and Hispanic families and Asian families. We want to make sure we're covering everybody. We can't just focus on one group of people. And so making sure that the, those opportunities are there. And so we, we kind of, we got work to do. To throw another curveball at you, I also think about social media and you, you talk about having conversations and that's obviously what Untapped is all about is having these conversations. And it seems like the future is about that open dialogue. And I know social media in a lot of ways keeps people in their own echo chambers. What's the future of education and how it's going to combat that social media echo chamber? <laughs> how are they, or how, maybe, maybe not even so much, how is it going to impact the future? How are you working today to combat the, the social media echo chamber and the, we only want to hear our points of view. We don't like the other side. Because it sounds like you're having that conversation right now. So White Fragility was obviously a very hot topic book that was, I have not personally read it. No, I haven't either, but I'm going to, I'm getting, that's my, my next, my next book to read for sure. And I've, I mean, again, depending on who you listen to, White Fragility is complete garbage or it's a, an eye-opening, mm -hmm. you know, revelation. So either way, what is your take on the importance of reading something like that, that you may disagree with? And how is that being placed into the education system? I think it starts with you. And so what we've had to do is in my staff meetings and I tell them up front, like, okay, so this is going to make you uncomfortable. And this is going to, you know, just like you do when you're in a chair, you're uncomfortable, you're going to shift, you're going to move, you're going to, you know, you're going to kind of position yourself to where you find some sort of comfort. But it starts with you and your thinking. What are you willing to be vulnerable and open about and accept? Because no, you didn't do it directly, but everybody has some sort of unconscious bias and it starts with you. And so you've got to be able to own it and be okay with who you are. That doesn't make you a racist. That doesn't make you that. It just makes you, whatever your experiences are and what you're bringing to the table, you know, you've got to be able to own those things and you got to be able to sit and say, all right, you know, when I looked at that person, it looked, it appeared that way. And that's only because of what I've heard, not because I've experienced it, but this is what I was taught. And that goes with really anything in life. So what we're doing is we're just trying to have conversation. And how do you bridge that gap with social media? Social media is to me, when you're posting these things, it's your hide behind. You know, I, I'm safe here. I'm safe here. I can post it. And whether you like it or not, I, you know, I'm safe in that, in that regard. So until, and I don't know how we're going to get out of that because technology is technology and everybody is like, that's their, that's the thing. And so maybe sometimes you got to put the phone down or when you are replying, people don't like to deal in truth and facts. So when you make that comment <laughs> and you say, and you're like, actually, this is what it is you know, and this is what it, what it's going to be. And this is how we're going to fix it. And you own it and you accept it, then you're able to move on. And so like, I did an interview with some, this, this parent. And when I asked him about culture and how, how can the school be more sensitive to your culture? He was like, look, I'm a white male. I'm 45. Like, I don't even know how to answer this question. And I had per a person from every ethnicity, and every race, and everybody else had an answer. And when I looked at it and I said, well, 
the system's working for him. So he doesn't, what do you mean? How can they be more sensitive to my culture? They are like, everything's fine. If I come to school, you know, they'll do what I need them to do. Whereas everyone else is like, listen, this is what you can put this, this, this in place. So to bridge that gap is we got to have face-to-face conversations and be secure enough within ourselves and within our knowledge and being okay to say, I don't know everything, teach me. And not for me to use it to your detriment, but for me to like connect with you and to make sure that we're we're meeting each other where we are. And I'm learning. It's a forever learning thing. I don't know anything about being Hispanic. I don't know anything about being white. So tell me, what does that mean? Well, how, how does, what does that thinking come from? Why are all African-Americans like, I'm not taking that vaccine? Oh, well, because of the Tuskegee experiment. Got it. You know, like that, you know, there's certain things that have happened. Why we're not doing certain, you know, like, so you got to be able to have, be secure in who you are. I I fully agree with that. It seems that people aren't secure in themselves. And then that's when the fake comes out. Right. How is the (laughs) education system responding to the racial tension that has been brought to the forefront of American society. What I love, our district is so, so aware. And one of the things that has has helped is we have one African-American male on our school board, one. And he was the first on the school board after 83 years. And he was the first and he's still the only. And he's done tremendous things. But what I love about it is that they put this equity clause in the bylaws, but they each each board member read it. Each board member read a portion of it. And at the end, they voted to include this and everyone voted yes. Majority vote, yes, we're going to put this clause in here. And it was absolutely amazing. And that has never happened in any school district. And so what they're forcing their administrators to do is now we've got to read books. Now we've got to look at our hiring process. Now we've got to look at data and numbers in a different way to make sure that we're meeting the needs not just of the kids, but of our community and being more aware of type of materials and opportunities that we're providing for the kids that are in the district. Like we have no problem at this point saying, all right, so what are we going to do about our African-American males? Because that is our problem, not just district-wide, statewide, nationwide, that is an issue. So how are we going to address and what opportunities are we going to provide for those African-American students, particularly the males, because they're they're bringing our numbers down. Let's revisit special education. Let's revisit our 504s. Let's revisit 504s being learning disability accommodation type things. Like, are they dually coded? Just because they have a low socioeconomic status does not mean that they cannot learn. So these are the kind kinds of conversations that we're having. We're revisiting. So if I have a class full of African-American boys, because I walked into one class last year and I was like, you, one, you have them in rows. Two, it's boys. They got to have hands-on stuff, and they're black boys. So what are we? What are we doing? Like, how are we making it relevant? They want to be engineers. They like doing stuff with their hands. You gotta know your kids. So the cool part is, is we're having the conversation. I don't know what everybody else is doing, but we are having the conversation about equity versus equality, and having the conversation about how we're reaching every and forcing our administrators to shift their thinking. Moving on to kind of our wrapping up stage, what would you like to see being done within you know, the workforce, the education system to promote a better relationship 
between men and women? Professional development on how, on the how, um, how to, how to hire, you know, your learning doesn't stop. You got to be a forever learner. And I would want to really, really look at how are we hiring these people? How are we equipping these people? And not just hiring them because that's my homeboy or that's my buddy or whatever. And then if we go all the way back to college, providing college courses for those kids to be equipped to be hired, you know, and then these are the things, not just learning the, the mechanics of the business, but learning how to be professional and, and then revisiting those things once I become a professional. How do I make sure that I'm not doing dumb stuff? Because a lot of times the reason why Blacks are not getting hired, especially males, is because I had this minor misdemeanor or I had this thing that I did in college that now it's not going away. But making sure that we're e equipping ourselves with I think it goes back to college and making sure that we we're, we're developed professionally on the how and then revisiting those things once I, like the mentor program that you may have as a as a first year professional refining that and what that looks like and how do I make sure I up, keep my resume updated or how do I make sure that I communicate with people via email like those types of things and then how do I make sure that I'm being culturally responsive in the workplace those types of things love it I, I, I love that because you would be surprised how that translates to what others deal with in their professional careers as well. I, I love hearing that because, you know, just before this, this conversation, me and Emmett talked about this and he said the word intimidation. That's where we have to remove, you know, I, I shouldn't have to feel like I'm an intimidating force to anyone. So before I get to the last question, there was a couple things that that I saw. Uh, one, for our listeners that can't see it, Brittany has this like little magic little wand and, and she's always waving it around. So hopefully, you know, this, you know, can remove like abracadabra, remove some of this racial tension and, and, and frustration. So that's my little laughing point. Um, but you talked about the students having the ability to learn. And I think a great learning tool is the movie, The Blind Side. Absolutely. Um, the story yes. about or and you know how this kid came from a 1.71 GPA for mm -hmm. a senior year to be able to to get a 2.5, but you know how the mother took something that he was very good at and made him good at it, and it talked about his protective instincts, and it was at 98 percent, I believe, in the yes. movie. You know, you would say, oh well, this kid's just a dumb kid. You know, he comes from low-income housing, blah, 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 blah. But what you're forgetting is, is that he has the ability to learn because he knows something that he's really good at. If right. you tap into that, and which we're trying to do here, guess what? You could bring out the best in anyone. And to go from high school, then to Ole Miss, then to the NFL and be drafted in the first round by the Baltimore Ravens, you know, that's one of the examples, many, many examples that we can show. So... How can untap play a role in fighting against sexism and discrimination in the education system? Um, let me think. <laughs> I think untapped would be able, um, just with its networking and being able to connect and connecting with school districts and connecting with, or making sure that you're making these connections with these people to kind of, 
kind of give them the real because I think once you get into that workforce you're caught up in the work and not necessarily on how to improve the process so if you look at people like Chick-fil-a or you're looking at Nordstrom and making sure like they that's what they do and that's what they do well there's a group called Holdsworth that focuses on building uh, teachers and educate educators on ways to improve um, how you build future teacher leaders and how you provide diversity within your within yourself like they do an audit they look at it so I think untapped with with connecting with these different entities I think you guys will be able to impact and then hold you know podcasts like this and newsletters and articles and you know Good Morning America The View like all of like major broadcasting places where people are actually listening, especially now, because people want to improve now. Like I want to make myself marketable. How do I do that? You know, getting yourself on, on ABC and being able to connect and provide concise, solid, intentional, and impactful information. I think that you guys would be able to help in that way. Yeah, that's, that's really, really helpful. Thank you again, Brittany, for joining us this evening. It's been an incredible conversation and it's obviously awesome to learn about how the education system has really transformed over the years and how there's positive momentum that's changing and obviously we make that progress not a temporary one but one that that lasts forever before we close the show we always ask is there anything else that you'd like to add share promote I just wish you all the very, very best in this. Like, I'm excited to hear the podcast just so that I can uh, learn more and learn how to grow. And, and so you guys are, are headed in the right direction. So what I want to promote is I want to promote Untapped. Like, that's it. Like, promote you guys so that, you know, people can learn from, from very relevant and very intelligent, intelligent guys. You know, you guys are on the right, y'all, y'all are headed in the right direction. So this is awesome. Well, thank you again, Brittany. This has been wonderful. Thank you again to all of our listeners for tuning in and we will see you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'd be honored if you would review us wherever you listen to our podcast. We are actively looking for people of color to send us their resumes and career aspirations. So please log on to untappedrecruiting.com to learn more.